Hey now, welcome to Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next so you have enough time to watch it. If you enjoy Random Movie Club, you can help keep it going by supporting us on Patreon. Supporters get special benefits like bonus episodes, patron-only movie events, giveaways, and more. Show your support for Random Movie Club and The Geek Generation by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. On this episode, I'll be discussing Star Wars Return of the Jedi with Misty, a.k.a. Imperial Girl. Let's roll the film. Star Wars Return of the Jedi was released in 1983 from director Richard Marcon. Written by George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan, the film stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. So normally I would ask my co-host why they chose the movie that they chose, but I had actually asked you to come on to talk about Return of the Jedi. So uh, can you tell me a little bit? I know Star Wars is an important part of your life. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Why it plays such an important role? So as my mom likes to remind me, she was in the story too, but I only remember my dad when I was four, three, almost four years old um, in 1977, my parents took me to see uh, Star Wars. And um, so I saw it not an opening day, but you know, when it was actually first out in the theater mm-hmm. and it was always a thing. Like I loved it from the first moment I could, I, I don't even remember seeing it. I just always remember loving it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I remember burying like there's a, to- a sandbox somewhere in Wakefield, Rhode Island okay. that has like a treasure of Star Wars figures in it <laughs> that I buried <laughs> when I was four years old. So I had like the Leia uh, with the plastic cape and the Darth Vader and the Luke with the lightsabers and it was magic- gone. So um, after that, I've never missed an opening day since I oh, started. Wow. That's yeah, awesome. So, <clears throat> and I've seen them all in the theater with my dad. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. I mean, granted, we had to um, find a home theater to watch uh, The Last Jedi. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because now that I live in Colorado, like we used to live, you know, we lived together in Boston and then I moved to Virginia when I got, when is an adult? And actually it was the weekend after I moved, the Saturday after I moved that, or Friday, whatever, that The Phantom Menace opened. Okay. So, my dad and I had had plans, but I moved. So we saw it when he came. He came down to visit a month later. So we saw it. But we've seen them all. Like we found a little kitschy theater to see Attack of the Clones. And like we've, we've found a way. That's amazing. I love the legacy of it. Right? When I was 10 years old, he called out of work for Return of the Jedi. Wow. Uh, 1983. I was 10. And um, we, we went and sat outside our local movie theater looking in the newspaper because that's how you found movie time. Sure, sure. Right? There was no internet. There was no cell phones. Uh, so it's the, the dark, the dark days. And we're looking through the paper, seeing what time our little local crappy movie theater opened. And he's like, ooh, Revere. I'll never forget the theater. Revere has a 70 millimeter Dolby screen. Ooh. And it starts at noon instead of one. Because there was no midnight crap. It was just True. like, True. you know, whenever they got up and opened the theater. So if we left, I think it was like 1030. We're there super early. Um, we could still get to Revere and get to the theater before, well before it opened. We'll, it turned out we were first. Yeah. 
We got in line. And then right behind us was another family that will, another dad and daughter uh, with our same last name. So we what? sat with them. I know how weird was that. We sat with them. It was great. I was sad it was over. That's so amazing, though. What a, I mean, what a great kind of like memory set to pull from and just have with you the whole time. So before we delve into the movie itself, as always, I grab a whole bunch of trivia from IMDb. There is so much for this movie. I'm sure you know some of it. Um, I, I had to be very selective about which ones I pulled because there is so much. So I didn't want to make that be the whole show. Uh, but <laughs> Originally, as most people know, this movie was to be titled Revenge of the Jedi. But producers thought the Jedi wouldn't seek revenge due to their ethical code. Uh, some posters and theater stand-ups were made early, but then quickly pulled when the title changed. So you can still find them out there, but mm-hmm. it was a lot harder to yeah. fake scripts were distributed to some cast members that were considered likely to leak information to the media. Some of these phony story elements were indeed leaked as expected, such as Lando being revealed as the quote unquote last hope for the Jedi mentioned by Obi-Wan and Yoda in the Empire Strikes Back. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's interesting. Who would think that would make sense? <laughs> I don't know, but it's it'd be funny to see the headlines, I'm sure. Yeah. Carrie Fisher complained about her costumes in the previous two movies. She said they were so long, you could not tell that she was a woman. These complaints led to the skimpy outfit she wore as Jabba's slave. The costume became something of a running joke among the crew because the metal framework that held the top together meant that the costume didn't move well with her. Since Fisher didn't like the industry standard solution of using double-sided tape, it became necessary before each take to have a wardrobe person check to ensure that her breasts were still snug inside the costume top, and several scenes had to be reshot when wardrobe malfunctions occurred. (laughs) So funny story. Yeah. During St. Jude, I jokingly said... If someone donates a certain amount of money, I'll, I'll dress up like Slave Leia. Ha 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 ha. It took about, it took under 10 minutes for someone to Whoa. donate that amount. So I just got home from a con, from Dragon Con in yep. Atlanta, Georgia. And where I donned that very metal bikini that I always swore was the only costume from Star Wars I would never do. And ironically, <laughs> it's the first Leia costume I finished because I have a boosh. I call it my boosh in a box, yeah. which I've never finished. But um, yeah, first one I've ever finished. And that thing is uncomfortable. Oh, I'm sure. No but, doubt. Yeah, I don't know how she would fall out of it because there was no... I, I Maybe I tied it on very tightly. <laughs> because you just tie it on. I did also have like under... like If everything fell off, there was no way you're still seeing anything. Sure, there was sure. things stuck to me. like. But I didn't have any double-sided tape. But I can see how that could be a thing. It's not a very... It, the, it was a windy day. <laughs> there was a lot of stress, but we did a photo shoot with a whole bunch of us. It was delightful. That's amazing. A very, a very empowering costume. We've 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 renamed it a uh, Hut Slayer, Leia. Nice, because it's more appropriate. True, true. Uh, speaking of the hut, Jabba's sail barge was filmed in Yuma, Arizona. The film crew had problems avoiding the thirty-five thousand dune buggy enthusiasts in the area. <laughs> To preserve secrecy, the producers claim to be making a horror movie called Blue Harvest, as people know, with the tagline Horror Beyond Imagination, and even had caps and t-shirts made up for the crew. This was also done so that vendors wouldn't overcharge them because they were working on the next Star Wars movie. To this day, if you visit blueharvest.com, it redirects to the official Star Wars website. That is hilarious. I love that. I do too. I mean, I knew Blue Harvest, but... As you hear me type. Yeah, it um, works. Oh my gosh, look at that. <laughs> it's a fun little thing. Try it at home, folks. The more you know. A couple pieces of sound trivia. 
The slithery noises made when Jabba the Hutt moves were created by sound man Ben Burt running his hands through a cheese casserole. <laughs> oh, <laughs> why the? I would never I see some of the things those sound guys do. Yeah, never. Foley artists are amazing. Um, and the speeder bike pass by sound effects were done by splicing together thunder sounds with those of a P-38 airplane. Ooh. I always wonder, like, who goes, I want this to kind of sound like this, but like slightly different. And can you add some cheese to that? <laughs> always a little bit of cheese to every sound. Right. Like From now on, yes. <laughs> Be like, I don't like the sound of cheddar. How about some mozzarella? Let's see right, if that exactly. plays differently. Some Gruyere ch- casserole. <laughs> This has a meteor sound. Uh, Admiral Akbar's famous line, it's a trap, was originally scripted as it's a trick. The line was changed in post-production after a negative test screening. Who would be like, that one line bugged me? <laughs> you know what? Someone from it's the future. True. It's true. Well, That's yeah, someone, memes. but also it's right. Someone's like, no, the meme, the meme must flow. The uh, point of view shots for the speeder bike sequence were achieved by having a camera operator walk through the forest at normal speed with a camera filming at one frame per second. When the footage was played back at 24 frames per second, it gave the appearance of flying through the forest at high speeds. And that's the Redwoods, right? Yeah. Like yeah. In, uh, near, in San Francisco, which I always forget until I watch Parks and Rec and Ben's like, whoa, we're in Endor. <laughs> Where are the Ewoks? <laughs> Speaking of, man, these natural transitions you're handing me. The word Ewok is never spoken in the movie, nor are the individuals Wicket, Poplu, etc. referred to by name. Originally, the Ewoks were supposed to be Wookiees, but the decision to change to shorter creatures was made in pre-production, so the Ewoks were created. Which, And the word itself kind of sounds like Wookiee or is made up of the same letters. Right, it's like a shorter Wookiee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> even in <laughs> linguistics. So funny story about about Ewoks. Yeah. It seems to be like I cosplayed for this this podcast. <laughs> there is a um, there was a group of us at Dragon Con, and I'm downloading the photo so I can send it to you. Uh, who, who cosplayed as sexy Ewoks? What we we all got uh, different colors of fun fur. Oh wow! And someone sculpted the masks. And it's terrifying nightmare fuel, (laughs) yet amazing all at once. And we got like a professional because there's so many of us in this group. We got a professional photo taken of us because the guy knew us. Sure. Or knew someone in the group. So there you go for your horrifying pleasure. (laughs) We'll we'll bombard the listeners with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, While filming on location for the Endor scenes, Peter Mayhew was escorted by crew members so that hunters would not mistake him for Bigfoot. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah. He's a tall dude. Have he you ever is. seen him? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's he's a tall, tall man. We're Facebook friends. Oh. Yes. Mm. He he friended a bunch of 500 first people hey. like 10 years ago, and I'm like, I'm holding on to it. Hold on to it. Yeah, I've got some people locked in that I haven't noticed. I'm still there. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. uh, before filming began, it was discovered that all of Darth Vader's lightsaber props had either been lost or stolen. Thus, one of Luke Skywalker's stunt saber props from The Empire Strikes Back had to be quickly cannibalized into a Vader-esque saber for this film. Ooh. Originally, the color of Luke's new lightsaber was blue, the same as the one he lost in Empire. Luke can even be seen wielding a blue lightsaber in early trailers. However, when a scene of Luke assembling and activating his new saber still blue was cut... George Lucas thought the audience might not understand that Luke's new lightsaber was not the exact same one he lost on Cloud City. To avoid confusion, Lucas decided to change the color from blue to green, making it clear that Luke was using a new saber. So that's the only reason. Hmm. 
And that always was not something that bugged me as a kid. But I was always like, why? Why did why did his saber change? Because there's no storyline reason for it. Right. Well, there's never any explanation about why people have different color lightsaber. No. I mean, Mace Windows was purple because Samuel Jackson was like, I want a purple lightsaber. Yeah. And they said, well, it's Samuel L. Jackson. We should probably say yes. Yeah, that's how they got him to do the movie. That's the only reason. There's no like canonical story right? reason. Let's be fair, though. If they said no, he'd still be like, but must still be a Jedi, right? Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Right. <laughs> uh, when Darth Vader picks up the Emperor and throws him down the Death Star shaft, it's the only time the Jedi theme music plays over a shot of Vader, reflecting his return to the light side of the Force. Be right back. I have to go watch this scene again. <laughs> I, yeah, look at that. We got to give people this trivia before they watch it, apparently. Right? Yeah. I or, you know, this is it makes them dig back into it. Uh, Leia was never intended to be Luke's sister. What? When A New Hope was released. The sequel trilogy to this was supposed to follow Luke's twin sister, Nelith Skywalker. Originally, this movie would have ended with Luke defeating Vader and embarking on the search for Nelith. Because of the enormous toll Empire and Jedi took on George Lucas's health and personal life, he opted to end the series here by making Leia into Luke's sister. That part I didn't know. That's really interesting. You have to wonder like, what would have happened had he gone forward right? with that. I mean, I don't... I know that there's a lot of flack out there for the the new um, trilogy, and I won't even touch that. But can you imagine how boring that movie would be? <laughs> Searching for his sister. Right. It's like, uh, is she on Dagobah? No. How about Tattoo? No. Naboo? Mm. <laughs> oh, wait, you guys are all cleaning up from that war I helped start? Uh, I'll, I'll be back later. I'm searching. How terrible would that be? Then you got, you got Han and Leia over here like, you got to help? And he's like, I don't know you people anymore. Goodbye. There's no connection to them. It would be it would be really interesting. I'm curious just to see like the scripts if they were ever rendered or even just an outline of that story. Right. I mean, we all I, I grew up know, knowing that it was a nine story trilogy. Mm -hmm. Like it was three different trilogies, a trilogy of trilogies. Right. Okay? And um, I remember people were so angry that it didn't look like they were ever coming out. Uh, two more pieces. I have a bad feeling about this. That famous quote that exists in all Star Wars movies is heard on two occasions in this movie. C-3PO says it to R2-D2 when entering Jabba's palace, and Han says it after the Ewoks start preparations to roast him. There you go. And, of course, we like to point out the Wilhelm scream whenever we hear it. <laughs> can be heard as Luke slashes an enemy with his lightsaber and he falls into the Sarlacc pit. Another can be heard by an Ewok that is killed while taking cover from the Imperial Walker's turret fire. I didn't know about the Ewok. I did know about the the dude. Gotta love the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. All right, let's get into the movie. So uh, we start out by seeing the uh, Death Star, the reveal of new Death Star, and this one is only partially completed, and Darth Vader is arriving on it. Well, and I will say, as as a child watching, I didn't understand that it was much bigger than the first one until they literally said hey, this is much bigger than the first one. Yeah, because where's the sense of scale? Right, there's none. And But I just, that whole opening scene was just like, they just drop you right in. Mm -hmm. We shall double our efforts. Yes, you will. <laughs> Dude, get on it. They basically say it's every line of exposition to let you know that this is bigger and badder and needs to be a sequel. Right, exactly. Like, everything's more serious. We're bringing the big guy here. Yeah. I'm here right away and pissed off. I haven't even choked you. I'm so mad at you. Like. 
we go to Tatooine and Jabba's Palace, which is arguably one of my uh, favorite parts of the movie. Everything that takes place on Tatooine. Uh, 3PO and R2 arrive at Jabba's Palace on Tatooine to deliver a message uh, from Luke where they find Han frozen in carbonite on Jabba's wall, uh, which is interesting because we when we talked about Empire, there was hesitation as to whether or not Harrison Ford would return for Jedi. So they put him in the carbonite as like, OK, well, we're not going to kill him, but we're going to take him off the board if we need to. And this is how we're going to do it. Makes sense. So watching that scene, too, and I don't know if you're going to go further into it, but there's always the special edition versus oh god discussion i know and there it's funny because i forgive a lot of the special edition for something that we'll get to Mm -hmm. i think the worst moment of that movie from a special edition point of view is that damn song so agree i was so impressed that they brought what's her name back as the dancer and she was like 30 years older and looked perfect Mm -hmm. and yet they ruined the scene by like close-ups of the cgi weird dude's mouth yeah and like it's not is it snice noodles like her lip is that her is it her i believe so i believe so max rebo is the blue guy but when her lips like like close up to the camera mm-hmm. i'm like are you lucas what was what well that this? was also intended for the 3d showing those like lips moving out so now you watch it back and it just looks ridiculous because we're not watching in 3D. So that was clearly aimed at that. And it just it's so abrasive in the movie. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I wish I could. Oh, I just wish someone would find the canister like this. I got it. <laughs> I found it. During part of this, too, when they have all the droids, I was I was just thinking, do droids actually feel pain or are they just programmed to react as if they do? Because you see the one getting its feet branded right. and it's making noises, as is the protocol droid being torn apart. They're both like whining and complaining or like screaming in pain but they're droids so it's interesting right because droids are not robots Mm -hmm. right and it's sort of short for androids or androids grew out of it right so i've always felt as if um there might be a quiet sentience in the droids of the uh, star wars universe that was never explored um even if it's not like this is my head canon right i'm into it Right. They're not not all super alive. Like what's going on? I want to have babies. Yeah. But I think like if you have you read the Star Wars comics at all? I have not. Spoiler. Full spoiler. Oh, I have a red arm now. Right. In right. In, right, right, right. Weekends. There's a, a C-3PO one shot comic that explains that. OK. And it is the only Star Wars comic book that has ever made me cry. And I wept at the end of this comic and it's all full of robots. <laughs> like it's wow. not, none of them are living and it's so heart wrenching. It's such a well, I highly recommend all of the star Wars titles currently are pretty much hitting out of the park. Un- ironically, not the Leia one, which I was really disappointed mm. about the chewy one was kind of lame too. Um, but on the, on the whole, they're, they're all much better than the dark horse ones ever were. And they're Canon, which is great. But that one, yeah. it, it really kind of opened the door to do androids dream of electric sheep. And sure. All that sure. Stuff. Interesting. Well, yeah, they, they clearly have like different levels of evolution. There's the comment about R2 like, oh, you're a feisty one, aren't you? Like they all have personalities more so than a robot would. They do. And they feel remorse mm-hmm. and they feel concern and they feel sadness. They, they, there's something there. Maybe it's not exactly sentience, but it's in between. Sure. Uh, we get the bounty hunter named Bush arriving uh, with Chewbacca and Cuffs. Find out that it's actually Leia in disguise. She frees Han from the carbonite. And of course, they're both captured. Gotta love the special effect of Han being freed from the carbonite. 
still as cheesy as ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they add like three D lips, but just let's keep this. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why? That's just an odd choice. But yeah, I I love that costume. Ironically, I've seen it in person because there's that that Star Wars, uh, the art of Star Wars costuming, which mm. I actually saw in Denver before I lived here when we came to see if we wanted to move. It was here and we went to see it. And I have a million pictures of that costume because I want to do it. And one of Slave Leia because I was like, I'm not doing that one <laughs> just to have it. So I yeah, it's I loved it. I loved that she was such a badass and I was very lucky to grow up in a in a really small sliver of, of a generation that had Wonder Woman, the Bionic Woman, Princess Leia. Like I didn't I no one told me that women couldn't do everything. Mm-hmm. And I know that I was in a very lucky time slice there in the seventies where we had a lot of empowering women and then they kind of went away again. Yeah. Uh, I do love how Jabba and his crew are all just kinda like behind a curtain. Like mm-hmm. I like to think it's not where Java sleeps or anything. He just gathered up all of his buddies and they're like sitting there for hours just waiting. Right. And you know they're just like <laughs> Yeah. And the other guys like like Jabba's like elbowing people on the side, like, shut up. They're gonna hear us. It's the best. I mean, obviously it was because Java's this massive puppet that they can't be moving everywhere, but I love the right. idea of the story of it. Just <laughs> Did they have did they have snacks? I mean, I would want snacks. And I, although wait. everyone's crunching too loud. Right, they'd have to be only like non-crunchy <laughs> snacks. Did you bring potato chips again? Friggin' salacious crumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave your Pringles at home, dude. <laughs> Once you pop Java. <laughs> Luke arrives and we see Leia in that slave outfit. And we also learned that Luke's mind trick doesn't work on Java, which is interesting. I think it was the first time like we were we knew that it didn't work on creatures with strong will. But it seems like the huts as a race, it doesn't work on, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. They're related to the whatever Watto was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke gets dropped into the pit where he fights and disposes of the Rancor. The edits make a lot more uh, sense now, watching it now than when I did as a kid. Like, you'd never see the Rancor's hand wrapping around Luke or Luke actually putting the bone in its mouth because those effects would have been too much. So you just see like the hand reach towards Luke and then a cut and then he's got him like in his hand already because they didn't want to make the fingers wrap around. Right. And it, it, I never like your mind inserts those parts. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't notice them when you're little. Oh, no. When when you just said that, I, I had to think about it for a second. Like, did I did I did they actually? Yeah. No. I'm glad that they didn't reanimate the Rancor at oh, all, though, because yeah. that I know it's stop motion. Some people think it's corny, but it holds up. Mm hmm. It much better than I prefer that any day over the singing scene. Totally. Totally. Luke and Han are taken out to the Sarlacc pit when R2 fires Luke's lightsaber to him and a battle ensues. The 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 flip up of Luke like dropping, grabbing the diving board, as I call it, and like doing the flip up and grabbing the lightsaber is maybe my favorite. One of my favorite moments in the entire original trilogy. I love that so much. When it like gives the salute. Oh, yeah. I remember being like, I don't know if I clapped, but I felt like I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of internal uh, celebration going on in that yeah. part. Uh, the great thing uh, with Han going, Boba Fett, where? <laughs> Very Indiana Jones moment in the middle yeah. of a yeah. Star Wars movie. Uh, Leia gets to be a badass by not only choking out Jabba, but also mm-hmm. operating the gun turret. It's funny. Somebody actually discussed that with me on stream when I was making your costume. Yeah. They're like, how how did how did Leia actually like she's not strong enough to choke someone out? I'm like, oh, contraire. Let's discuss the physics of this. Yeah. And we did. We went through it. I'm like, she's behind him. Yep. 
right? She wraps it around his neck at least once mm-hmm. and she's yanking and she's got leverage and you, they, he can't move. Yeah. Although to the person who said it's credit, I don't know that it's not that she's not strong enough, but where's his thorax in that? I was going like, to say, we don't know hot anatomy. Maybe it's like right on the surface too. <laughs> <laughs> it's helping her out a little bit. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Uh, back on the Death Star, the Emperor arrives and insists that Luke will seek them out, at which time they will try to turn him. Luke returns to Dagobah to find Yoda in a weak state close to death. Yoda confirms that Vader is his father. But just before he dies, he tells Luke that there is another Skywalker. <laughs> that scene bothers me because I feel like I'm like, Frank, can we have a discussion here? <laughs> about like some dramatic pacing like i get it he he talks all weird yeah but it was it you almost couldn't tell what there was another yeah like i get it that he's trying to say in his last breath but say it in your last breath it trailed off a whole bunch even the audio people should have boosted it just a little bit right but like what are you saying do you want me to go to an amusement park sky (laughs) sky ranch is like right right. there's another sky show (laughs) oh Sky Network? <laughs> There's nothing on the Sky Network? Okay. <laughs> Obi-Wan appears to Luke as a force ghost and tells him he has a twin sister, which Luke correctly guesses is Leia. So not a lot of weight on the turnaround time on that. <laughs> no, yeah, that's like, <laughs> yep. what? Like, Yoda, why didn't you just say it? Like, we found out within five minutes after you died. Right. Like, it wasn't, there's not even any pause. No. Like, Leia. Like, do I win anything? I felt like it was a game show almost. Da, 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 da. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You've won a new car. So the, yeah, there's no surprise in him. And again, if you've read, I feel like at the time, Splinter of the Mind's Eye was still kind of in the zeitgeist as as canon. Mm -hmm. But man, he he wasn't feeling any of that stuff on that weird planet. On that weird planet. Have you ever read Splinter of the Mind's Eye? I have not. Okay, read like a Cliff Notes version or the Wikipedia article. Do not torture yourself with this book. (laughs) I have like a first edition. Like I bought it between the, like I wanted, I read it as a child when it was new and I was between the movies. I think I was like, um, so I was 10 when it came out, seven. Probably I was an early reader. So I was probably like seven. Maybe I read it the other ones. But before I saw Jedi, I know I, I read it for sure. And it was, it's El Terrible. It's not good. It's and he's just the whole book is almost like a it's almost like a romantic comedy, like a Sweet Valley High. But like he's just in love with Leia the whole time. And oh, this mission. Oh, and then, you know, Vader shows up for no reason. You're like, what? Huh? And they all is like everybody's escapade. And you're like, why? Hold on. Hold up. They got (laughs) a little too freeform playing with the toys. It was. Yes. Like who? Who approved this? Uh, we find out that the Rebel Alliance uh, meets to form their plan to take down the new Death Star. They must land on the forest moon of Endor and destroy a shield generator, to which we jump to Endor, which is another one of the great parts of the movie. The team arrives on Endor, where Luke and Leia end up pursuing some troopers on speeder bikes. Always love the speeder bike stuff. Always. Mm-hmm. It was just, I don't know what it was about them. Was it the fact that they were going so fast? The fact that no one can control these? Let's be real. They're they're ridiculously fast and they handle terribly. Who's riding on these safely? Uh, I I would uh, 10 out of 10. (laughs) Check one out and ride it as long as someone would let me. That's my 500. My first 500 first costume. Yeah. What is a biker scout? I'm a TK because not only is it the coolest costume, but you can sit. (laughs) 
huge advantage. Well, unlike, unlike the the stormtroopers, and you can flip your visor up. Perfect. Which they don't do in the movie, but you know, hey, if you, <laughs> when in Rome, if you can do it, do it. <laughs> Separated from Luke, Leia befriends an Ewok named Wicket, played by uh, Warwick Davis. Meanwhile, the rest of the team is captured by Ewoks who plan to sacrifice them to their new god, C-3PO. <laughs> love that bit. I, I love that part because he's so kerfluffled. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Huh? No, me? No. Their reactions to him are the best, too. Yes. And I love Han and Luke just being like, what the hell is going on right now? Wait, like, how, like how, how, how? How is this a thing that, that's occurring right now? Because <laughs> I, I don't. Like, what is life? Luke uses his force abilities to levitate 3PO, scaring the Ewoks into giving up the sacrifice. And then with 3PO's help, they form an alliance, which is nice. The Ewok Rebel Alliance. I love the story when he tells the story of Star Wars to the Ewoks. Yeah. That that to me is probably the most precious moment of that movie because you see... You see it as a as an event suddenly larger. Like we've watched this movie through the eyes of this small band of people, mm. but you hear him telling this story and you realize like this is going to be a tale told for generations. Yeah. Hopefully, as long as the good guys win. So long and, that somebody um, made a movie out of it. <laughs> right. Right. Or, you know, C3PO doesn't get his mind wiped again and he can just tell people. Yeah. Luke confesses to Leia that he is her brother, that Vader is their father, and he must face him. Good scene. A little uh, over dramatic afterwards when. Oh, no, I'm thinking I'm thinking ahead of another part. I'm thinking of the part where Leia tells Han that Luke's her brother. And it's so (laughs) overdramatic. I. That's your direction. I mean, come on. Uh, Luke turns himself over to Vader, who I always forget this part because it's so fast. But. There is that great exchange in which we really see the conflict with Invader for kind of the first time and see him as like more of a complex human instead of just the like one note bad guy. It's true. And Luke yeah. uh, Hamill crushes that scene too. Like, oh, yeah, he's fantastic in that Jedi, the end of Jedi. And I would be interested to to see what their filming order was, because I feel as if he actually grew as an actor in that movie. Oh, totally. Uh, unlike the other ones, like I feel like he was weirdly the best in in the first right and i think that i feel like in empire he'd gotten kind of like an i'm an actor now but jedi it was almost it was very up and down but it ended in in way up Mm. like where he i feel like by the end he had established himself like i'm actually not a bad dude yeah he felt really centered the whole time at least near the end and maybe that was part of the performance or it was just Mm -hmm. him as an actor kind of being like more comfortable in it and everything Tons of stuff kind of jumping back and forth between the Death Star and Endor here, so I'm not going to always clarify, but uh, Vader takes Luke to the Emperor, who informs him that his friends on Endor are walking into a trap, to which the Rebels are ambushed by a legion of Imperial troops, while the Rebel fleet realizes what they've stumbled into. Back on Endor, the Ewoks launch a counterattack, freeing the Rebel forces. The the, The battle here, I love the battle here. This is what a lot of people tease Jedi for. The Ewoks kind of ridiculously overpowering the Imperial troops here. And they, they're like, oh, it's a bunch of Muppets in this movie and all that stuff. And I don't know. I think they got some weird, like, serious depth in the Ewoks. There's, like, that one shot where you see the dead Ewok. And it, it's, mm-hmm. it goes from lighthearted action to, like, this one Ewok grieving over another. I'm like, whoa, tonal shift just like that. You didn't even have to tell me what scene you're talking yeah. about. I knew it immediately. Because yeah, yeah. it is. It, it, 
it's another one of those moments in the, in the in the movie where you it kind of it doesn't take you out it takes you in mm-hmm. like it pulls you further in like oh my gosh like they've been adorable and almost comedy mm-hmm. but they're dying they're dying for a cause that is not necessarily entirely their own like they could probably live in peace with this one little installation on their planet probably. and you know and like leave it be they're you know they're not you know an english speaking species the empire isn't probably gonna leave them alone they they can't really work real hard for them right they're in a pretty safe position and they risk their butt yeah for this crazy band of rebels with a giant golden god it's not the only time this movie does that either there's the the part earlier with the rancor when the rancor is killed mm-hmm. and his trainer comes in oh, or his yeah. handler or whatever and he's sad and you're like oh wait somebody was right. like actually cared about this creature but he's devastated yeah. like this he he's sobbing like he's a gro- and he was so like they portray him like when you see him in the background he's a tough guys like ha 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 and and it's i i really like that they went there right like he wasn't just like mad and kicking dirt he was genuinely upset yeah and because he had a depth of caring for this creature, regardless of its nature or job. Yeah, there's a whole crazy. I looked him up just to see. There's a ridiculous backstory as to like <laughs> how he came to be with that particular Rancor and everything. Like it saved him at some point, And now there's like a whole friendship over the years. And, and it's crazy. It like really makes that scene Not really heavy. Sadder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Emperor reveals that the Death Star is fully operational and destroys a rebel star cruiser. Uh, Luke grabs his saber and swings at the Emperor, but Vader interrupts him, leading to the final conflict between father and son. Vader learns of Luke's sister by reading his mind during the battle, and Luke erupts with rage, severing Vader's hand. As the Emperor taunts him, Luke sees the connection between his father's now-missing hand and his own robotic one. This part made me feel so smart when I was a kid and I was like, oh, the hand, the hand, like, like I was discovering this hidden secret within the movie or right, something. Like, Do you get it? Yeah. Dad? You understood. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm with you. And I almost think that was intentional because I mean, Lucas always, you know, off the cuff says these are movies for kids, but I mean, he's not really fooling anyone mm. with that. Um, that's like saying Doctor Who is for kids, which I believe, but not entirely, right? Like it's made with kids in mind. Yeah, but there's so much like other level stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even like like Phineas and Ferb level where you're like, oh, look, I found that funny too. It has an element of kids can watch this because it's not overtly violent, uh, very profane, mm-hmm. but it speaks to people on a human level from a choice and a black, white, and gray point of view, right? And like the 501st, we always joke that like evil is just, you know, it's your, that's your point of view. Mm. Or as the guy dressed up like the dude Jedi at DragonCon said, that's just like your opinion, man. (laughs) But it's, it's a pretty deep movie when you get to the the parts that, and I I feel bad saying this, but that Lucas didn't mess up. Mm. He was, Lucas is a world builder. He's not a storyteller. He creates ginormous, great like boundaries and and backstories and like sets the pieces on the board. And then he needs to walk away. Mm-hmm. Right. You have like your Lawrence. Is it Kasdan? Yeah. Yeah. Like you have him. He can move those pieces brilliantly. I even like JJ's vision. Same. Um, Ryan. I, I, I don't think I'll I think the history will be kinder to him than we are all right now. Sure as they were to Lawrence, right? Again, Empire wasn't like this lauded movie like it is now where it's the favorite, but 
yeah, the, I, I, the, that ending scene with the Emperor and Vader, I thought, and Luke was very, very well done. Mm-hmm. And there is so much potential to mess that up that I, I thought that they really handled it well. Yeah, completely. Realizing that Luke won't turn, the Emperor torches Luke with Force Lightning, attempting to kill him. Not wanting to see his son die, Vader grabs the Emperor and throws him down the reactor shaft to his death. I'm glad they didn't mess with the effects too much on that either, because it's still yeah. it looks awesome. It still does. Mm-hmm. Uh, the battle on Endor finally turns in favor of the Rebels, who successfully destroy the shield generator. In his efforts, the lightning had channeled through Vader's body, both causing fatal injuries and damaging his breathing apparatus. So then we get the, the heartbreaking end of Vader's story. Uh, Vader asks Luke to remove his mask so he can look at him with his human eyes. Luke does so, and Anakin tells Luke that he was right about him, and shortly after, dies. As as people do like crap on the the prequel trilogy, and I have on occasion too. I've never been like they're terrible, terrible, and I hate them. But I don't know. There was something I didn't need Anakin's backstory, and even watching it now, it doesn't it doesn't add anything. And maybe that's the problem with them is watching watching Vader's death as Anakin here. I don't even relate that character to the one that I watched in the prequels. So I've tried really hard to relate it to the one in the prequels because I don't necessarily disagree with you there. I am famous for saying I have never seen a Star Wars movie that I didn't like. Mm. Right. Like I might not have loved it, <laughs> but they're all I've, I've I have genuinely enjoyed watching them all for one reason or another. I think that I think they focused on the wrong half of the Anakin Padme relationship mm. in those movies. And it really made me sad when you saw a lot of what was on the cutting room floor for clones and revenge. Padme was such a much more rounded character. So brilliant, so politically minded. So like she's really the heart of the rebellion. And I think had they, they spent so much of the original trilogy on Luke and, and, and Vader. Mm-hmm. If they had really shown Padme as this mother of the resistance, her and Bail Organa, it so much more would have made sense. And I think I, I like to think that's like that's my headcanon. That's in there somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Like, they just didn't show it to us. And I think that had they focused less on Anakin in the prequels, that I might have cared more about Vader's death in Return of the Jedi because they made they gave us too much of Anakin. Agreed. Right? They they defined him in a way that was too specific mm-hmm. for someone who is such a shell of a man without I mean, he has no personality. Yeah. He kills he's cranky. He he executes the will of the Emperor. And it's not till the second movie, the end of the second movie, that you realize that he had, you know, he was something before this. Yeah. And I feel like they did that a disservice, that moment a disservice by making Anakin who he was in the movies. I often say, just give me 10 minutes and I'll rewrite those those movies and make them like so much better <laughs> because there's little tweaks that they can do yeah. that, that that would improve it. But I, I feel like I can headcanon my way to caring and seeing the guy that he ended up in Revenge of the Sith as to the guy he died as agreed i feel like rogue one actually helps bridge that gap because it kind of shows him as like almost like a mix of the two vaders mm-hmm. right like the stoic i'm just gonna kill i don't give a crap what you think about my my faith i'm just gonna choke you till you shut up mm-hmm. um versus you know like i am the high ground now how do you get from there to there in 19 years yeah yeah and i feel like showing vader's 
how out of control he is in Rogue One at the end of it, like frenetically trying to get that card and not caring about damage or destruction. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense too when he boards the Tan of Four at the beginning of Star Star Wars. Have you watched them? In in like the very end of Rogue One and the very start of of New Hope? I have not. Oh my god, do it. Yeah. It's perfect. Because you it's almost as if he's gained a little bit of composure when he walks on and he's still mad, but he's like, let's talk. That's interesting. Figure out what happened. Yeah, so it I think that by watching them closer together and piecing it together uh, with the newer comics, it helps bring the two Vaders together. Okay. Because it's hard to mourn one and think of the it other. It is. It really uh, is. For sure. That's a weird tangent, but I brought it back. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we get Lando uh, leading Wedge and his fighter group into the interior of the Death Star. They fire at the main reactor. Everything goes boom. And then back on Endor, Luke is seen igniting the funeral pyre and burning his father's body. Leia finally tells Han that Luke is her brother, the scene that we referenced earlier, to which he's relieved as he felt like Luke was still competition this entire time. Han is, for being like the rugged, I don't give a crap about anything, Han was like the most jealous guy ever throughout (laughs) all of this. He's very insecure. Uh, Lastly, the Rebels celebrate their victory with the Ewoks, who Mm -hmm. sing the wonderful, never replaced Yub Nub song. (gasps) We're going to have a fight about this in a second. Oh, and Luke sees the Force ghosts of Yoda, Obi-Wan, and the redeemed Anakin Skywalker, who they also should not have replaced. Mm -mm. I'm with you there. Don't, Don't. He's old. He died old. Yes. Let him be old. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he... He redeemed himself before he died. So there's the argument that, well, this is the last time he was good. He was seen like this. We're like, no. Right. He was good right before he died. Exactly. I feel like that was like, I'm really sorry, um, Hayden Christensen, that we ruined your career here. Apparently, Hayden Christensen didn't know what he was filming that for either. That th- Nobody told him what that was. So he didn't know how to act. It, and that's why he looks so awkward. He's like, Done. I don't. He saw in the movie, he was like, oh, I didn't know that's what they were doing with it. Oh, my God, that poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I will tell you, as a 10-year-old girl watching the end of Return of the Jedi, <laughs> I love the, the Yub Nub it's song. Don't, don't, I have a patch up on my wall over here that's an Ewok saying Yub Nub. Loved it. But at the end of the movie, when the credits rolled, I looked at my dad, and the first thing I said is, that's it. They had a movie that would flip-flop between galact- huge galactic presence mm-hmm. And small, intimate scenes. Mm. And they ended with only one of those. True. So to me, and I'll be completely honest, I cried like a baby when I saw the special edition at the end of that movie. Mm. Because I felt like it was redemption for me. I felt like it felt bigger than it was. It felt as big as it was supposed to be. This was an amazing moment for not just this small group of fighters, but for all the people that they had been fighting for. These nameless, faceless people that they had claimed to care so much about. Yeah we're so rarely represented in the movie and I understand that, but I felt like in that moment, that was a time to include a larger celebration. So I am super, isn't there an edition where they play both songs? I do not know. Actually, I, I, I love, I agree with you on the fact that seeing the, the celebrations around the galaxy is absolutely wonderful. I love that. The first time I watched it though, and the yub nub didn't happen. It was jarring. Because it was jarring. because we've seen it and we know it. So <laughs> we know it a certain way. So when it doesn't mm-hmm. flow that same way and all of a sudden it's it's like a crowbar stuck there and just going, even though like I love right. the scenes, I just want the music that I know. I feel like they um, 
again, with my minor tweaks to the Star Wars movies, I feel like what might have worked best is if they had cut to all of the scenes in the galaxy and played that song and then folded into the song that we know and the would scene have totally worked because it's like look at this big celebration and now look here's a group of people mm-hmm. who really made it happen and it's this small intimate because that's really what it is at the end of the day even though all these people did this stuff these are the people who affected change who may never you know we know their story but their story may never be known yep. yeah to the to the wider galaxy and except for how many people 3po can say it too <laughs> that's it which considering how much that robot can talk <laughs> gee and that is uh, that's Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Before I end it, I do want to give you an opportunity to plug your things uh, so that people can check you out on the Internet and see the stuff you do. I don't do things. You don't do things. No, I don't do things. No, I um, I have been sewing almost all my life. I sew live on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Imperial Girl. Big, big surprise on the name. <laughs> That's actually my 501st username. If you are a geek, you might have seen something I have sewn before. If you have ever shopped on Think Geek, I created the Tauntaun sleeping bag. I created the Necromancer hoodie from designs that were given to me. Sketches. I made them reality. And... I am on Twitter, pretty active on Twitter and Instagram. I cosplay the aforementioned sexy Ewoks <laughs> and Princess Leia. We're uh, new this year, but I do cosplay from video games. Uh, I've done Symmetra and May to movies and you name it. I'll, I'll probably do it. Dead red shirts, <laughs> just t- steampunk Disney princesses. But um, yeah, so Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch, all the same name, Imperial Girl. I would love to meet you. We have a pretty fun community. We like to hang out, meet new friends. Awesome. So, and if people can't find you, we'll link you up in the uh, show notes so people can just click um, and get right to you. And uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. I'm I'm very glad to uh, be involved and included in anything you do because you're pretty awesome. Thank you. And I say it at the end so it doesn't seem like pandering to get <laughs> on a podcast or anything. Random Movie Club is a production of the Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our podcasts and videos at thegeekgeneration.com, plus our live streams at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. Don't forget, you can support Random Movie Club by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. As always, thanks to Michael McLeod of Wolfstead Music for our theme song. A link to his site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss The Truman Show. See you then.